Amen. Thank you. That's a pretty good set of pipes on a school teacher, isn't it? It's pretty good. Wonderful. I'm excited about what God will do tonight and speak to us in the message, have a spiritual will to succeed, a spiritual will to succeed. Uh, that's true in any area of your life, but I'm talking a spiritual will, a vertical relationship with the Lord. You and I no doubt have all made the statement, there has to be more to life, just has to be. And then we might follow that up with uh, when we reach the pinnacle or something in our, our life, is this all there is? Just, you know, I thought if I have this much money, is this all there is? If I have this much fame or I have that position, is this really all there is? And I can tell you that our carnal nature will never be satisfied. Our carnal nature will always desire more. Well, may I ask this question and try this on for size? Why shouldn't our spiritual man say, I will never be satisfied? I want just a little bit more. Any amens out there? Our text gives attention to a very part of our, very important part of our lives as it relates to the disciples, and it was be right before Jesus' ascension. They felt, uh, of course, during that 40-day time period where uh, Jesus uh, came out of the grave and then he appeared to uh, hundreds and hundreds of people, and uh, he's now preparing for the ascension. But in that time, there were moments that they felt lost. I mean, think about it. They saw, heard, experienced the man who was dead come out of the grave, and they saw him, and yet they felt lost. They felt alone. They felt disappointed, and, and they felt frustrated. You see, their mind and their goal was not on a spiritual kingdom, but on an earthly kingdom. And so they could have asked, is this all there is? And Jesus appeared to them and gave them some life-giving words that caused them to focus on something more valuable than what they had considered previously. And it is this. He spoke words that would encourage these yet to ascend, to inspire, words to direct, words to bless, and words to comfort. And the substance of what Jesus said was hard for them to accept and to believe. And I'll tell you what that was. It's sometimes hard to hear the Word of God, but it's harder to act on what you hear. Let me say it again. It's sometimes difficult to hear the Word of God because it will confront us or convict us, but when we hear it, sometimes it's harder to act upon it. These disciples have been living, we know, with Jesus day in and day out for three years, working, learning, fellowshipping, and following this miracle-working individual. They saw the miracles that were unbelievable, and they had come to a conclusion here on earth for their disciples that, hey, the season of great things ended, ended when he went to the grave. But, oh, a last-minute shock, he comes out in three days. He appears to them. It was uh, a, quite an interesting time. But how do you wrap your mind around? I know that he was dead. I saw him on the cross, and, and now he's appeared to us. What happens now? 
they still had in the back of their mind a humanistic goal. They still had in the back of their mind, hey, he's the individual. It's a new day. He is actually going to overturn the Roman Empire. William Danforth wrote in a book entitled, I Dare You. And that's what Jesus was doing to his disciples and appearing to them and preparing them for his ascension and leaving behind, this is the gospel before he ascended. This is what I want you to do, to go to the highways and the hedges. This is what the book, I Dare You, states. I want you to start a crusade in your life, to dare to be your best. I maintain that you are a better, more capable person than you have demonstrated so far. Apply that to your spirit, man. And the only reason you are not the person you should be is you don't dare to be. Dare involves faith. It involves treacherousness. It involves risk. It says once you dare, once you stop drifting, flowing with the crowd and face life courageously, life takes on a new significance and new forces take shape in you. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit did when they were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He rearranged their mind, and the Bible said he gave them power according to Acts, the first chapter. But to do what God wants us to do, you can't settle just to settle for the here and now. You have to look in your life and my life, what kind of spirit man am I going to have next year? What kind of spirit man am I going to have a month from now? And if I see that spirit man and kind of spiritual maturity I'm going to have, then God, how am I going to get there? What am I going to do to dare myself to risk to be able to get into the arena that shakes me up? So we find in Acts 1 verse 6, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That's in the book of Acts, the book of action. It's the beginning of the church that starts in Acts 2. It is the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It was an outpouring of encouragement to those that were weary. It was a signal to Peter who had failed the Lord Jesus, a testimony of undaunted faith because he preached a dynamic message to the early church, and it was the footprint of all churches from believers. And that footprint was gather together, pray, and believe, and watch the fire of God come down. As I said a moment ago, just as Jesus ascends back to heaven to be seated at the Father's right hand, to do what? To make intercession for you and me. He appeared to those disciples. As I mentioned, it had been 40 days since his resurrection. He admonished them not to leave Jerusalem and stay there until I give you the promise of the power. We know that more than 500 started out, 120 was left, and he declares that they would receive a new anointing. Will you dare to do what I tell you to do and stay there in Jerusalem? If you do, a mighty reward will be yours. It begs the question for all of us on this Wednesday night, what is it that we're willing to risk for God? Are we willing to settle for an apathetic spirit man? Do we look back and say yesterday was the greatest time in my spiritual life? 
Are we looking forward to excitement and say, I can't wait for what God is going to do in my life and how God is going to use me not only tomorrow but next week? And when he said this, one of them asked him this question, and it's a good question. When are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? But it was the wrong question. Why? They were still earthly-minded. They still were earthly-minded. To be supernaturally endowed with God's power, you're going to have to deal. We're going to have to deal with you. You're going to have to deal with your carnality. You're going to have to deal with your your humanity. And you're going to have to say, listen, I am spirit born of Almighty God. My body is housing the dynamic power of the person of Jesus Christ. In me dwells a divine dynamic anointing that has the ability to see great things done in the kingdom of God. You see, that was a dead giveaway that they were still embracing the wrong kingdom and not looking beyond the present. They knew they were under the rule of the Romans and under bondage of that Roman government. They desired him to be the conqueror of the Roman and reestablish the, the government of Israel. That's what we want in the here and now. We want you to reestablish the government of Israel over the Roman Empire. And Jesus was not interested in their logic. I know you're under bondage. I know the Romans rule right now, but I'm not interested in your logic. I want you to look beyond the present. He said, I've got something bigger and better if you begin to focus in your faith to see what I will do. He meant your focus, your efforts, your desires, and your passion is to believe that there is a kingdom larger than an earthly kingdom. And he said, you need to have a deteriorating earthly kingdom. Understand, my citizenship is not here. Somebody say amen. My citizenship is up there. Everything that I ever need. John 18, verse 36. This is what he says. My kingdom is not of this world, but from where? Where? another place. First Corinthians, Paul writes 420, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of what? Of power. In other words, not that you talk about a heavenly kingdom, not what you're going to do, not murmuring about what we might be facing in this life. And there are a lot of things that we face. But he said, hey, talk about a godly kingdom and not just talk about it. Begin to act like there is power that is pulsating in your veins. God's kingdom, the church, is for progressive people. Oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I can't wait to get here to do this. We ought to be talking, God, what more is it that you want out of me? You see, Luke in 962 says, Jesus replied, hey, guys, wake up. No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What? Look forward. Don't look at your mistakes. Don't look at your failures. Don't look at the things of prayers that have not been answered. He said, put your hand to the task at hand and believe God and move forward with great urgency of the Holy Spirit in your life. When we embrace our kingdom here on earth, and we fail to live beyond the present, 
I've got a few things I want to identify for you. We become burdened with this life. The weight, is that all there is? We become weary about our future. Well, if I don't get a raise, that's, that's the way things are going to be. Why, why do you want to do that? Because if you confess that, your behavior will follow. Why not saying, God, I don't have a raise yet, but it's coming because I know God promised me a better life. Anybody with me out there? We start loving the wrong things. Well, I've got a scripture for you, Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world? yet forfeits its soul, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? He said, be about spiritual values. Or we become deaf to spiritual issues if we lean toward the earthly kingdom, or we are content with just enough, or we become bogged down with the why factor. Why God? Why me? I can give you the names of a lot of people tonight who could justifiably say in an earthly kingdom, why me, God? Why did I get overlooked? Why did this disease hit me? Why did I lose that loved one? God, why is it that I'm always the one that seems to catch the flack? And you'll find yourself, you'll find yourself fighting that instead of saying, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded you're able to keep that which I've committed unto you against that day, God. I'm not backing up. I'm going to go up, and until I do, I'm going to keep going by the grace of God. It's all right to clap tonight. Those of you listening online, get a good dose of this message. Revelation 12:11 said, here's what you do. He said, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's done. But by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, whatever happens, if it is the Job factor, you still know that you're an overcomer by his blood. It was shed once, amen, but by the what? Word of what you have to say. So where are you at? What kingdom are you building? What kingdom are we building? You see, the closer to God we get, the larger his kingdom should become in our hearts and our minds. And our kingdom in this earth should become smaller. So we find the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a connection from where we are now to where God wants us to be in that heavenly kingdom. Your kingdom come. You say, well, that'll be when he comes again. No, sirree. God can set his kingdom up in your heart right now. He can set you up in his kingdom right now. And if you're going to enjoy the maximum amount of God's blessing and benefit, we must not embrace this kingdom constantly here on earth, but rather live beyond this earthly place even before we have arrived. Hallelujah. God, I'm going to behave like I've got a heavenly kingdom living within me. Here's number two. Go beyond the present. Enjoy the journey. How many of you ever just take a car ride or a car trip or whatever you call it and just say, we're, we're going to take a little ride. Anybody out there other than me, you know? Here it is, Acts 1, verse 10. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Oh, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Now, you know what? You know what most of us would be saying? Because this is quite a spectacle. For all you who chase fire trucks, it would really be a spectacle. For all of you who want to figure out where an ambulance is going, especially if there's one cop that comes by you and three or four more, you change your driving plan and say, must be something big, i got to go look. Why do you think people rubberneck on the interstate for somebody who's got a flat tire and a cop's up behind them with a blue light? Everybody slows down. Catherine Mansfield wrote, and I quote, make it a rule in life never to regret and never to look back. She said, regret is an appalling waste of energy. You can't build on it, and it's only good for wallowing in it. Sooner or later, Peter had to come to grips with his failure. But he didn't do it by going to an emergency course. Peter went beyond it when he was in that upper room and the Holy Spirit fell. And the fire came upon him. And the old Peter was burnt there in that altar in the presence of God. And he stood up then and preached a great, great message. So therein is the answer. That's the answer when the chaff gets on us that's the answer when our vessels get weary that's the answer when we have more questions and questions and questions the answer when god i just believe you know what's going on and we trust you by the grace of the lord and to do that will take a concerted effort it will take the spiritual will to succeed in 1964, volleyball became a part of the Olympic uh, Games. Japanese team, of course, won. They stood there holding that, that great reward because they won their matches. Their coach was like a villain. He put them through rigorous routine like they were in a Marine Corps boot camp. Week after week, six days a week, running and doing push-ups and batting the ball. His goal, he said, I'm trying to break the week. If I can break the week and reveal who they are, they will leave. But he said, those who survive, they will stand on the podium with the crown of world champions and when they did stand there winning the world championship in volleyball they were all weeping and they wept and wept but the coat the individual who was the team captain said we're crying why are you crying we're crying for two reasons we won the gold medal and had our expectations fulfilled for our people to win. And then we cried because we knew it would be our last game together. And being our last game together, we came out of 
the pits of sacrifice, of pain, of hurt, and difficulty, of blisters, and going until we could not go anymore, and we're quiet crying because what our coach promised us has come to pass, and we won the gold medal. I don't know about you, but there is a real battle going on out in our culture today. There's a real battle that is deceptive, deceitful, lying, undermining. It never looks like the enemy. Sometimes it is an angel of light. But here's what I know. The only antidote, the only antidote to that is the church of Jesus Christ. And the only thing for you, for if you get in the flow of culture, and you get in the flow as many people are. I talked to an individual tonight. He's a minister. I said, you're going to be in church. It's Wednesday night. Well, no. I said, how about Sunday night? Well, no. Do you know what the culture says? Sunday morning. Just go Sunday morning. Now, let me tell you something. You say, Pastor, you just old-fashioned. I ain't going to be old-fashioned when I stand in the presence of God and y'all come through. Are you listening? When y'all come through, because here's what I know. I'll just tell you straight up. If mom and dad have children, and mom and dad make their mind up to come two times a week, when their children become responsible, the children may come one time a week. And don't tell me it's not because you don't need church. Amen. We all need it. Amen? Woo. So mom and dad, if you come one time a week and your children get responsible later in life, let me give you some yard talk. They ain't going to come at all. And if they do, it'll be CEO, Christmas and Easter only. And when your grandchildren are not exposed to spiritual truth, that culture up there will gobble them up and they'll have an understanding of feeling that they're saved but have zero fruit. That's straight-up preaching right there, friend. That's why I continue to say, and I get challenged, but you don't understand, Pastor, what we go through. Listen, this life is a vapor. It's here one minute, and it's gone. So what's my encouragement? Well, you're speaking to the choir. We're here. Hallelujah. But I'm talking to some of you online. The value of understanding that. The gold medal comes at times in our spiritual journey. It's difficult, but in the end, we are promised the gold crown if we are faithful. Our text said Jesus ascended right before their very eyes, and they were awestruck, and they were staring intently into space. And once Jesus shared with them what to do, he said, okay, I've told you what to do. Go do it. Go do it. Don't sit in the rocking chair. Don't get on the porch swing. 
Let me tell you, just go do it. In other words, embrace the, embrace the truth of His Word. Make an action plan. Count the cost. Communicate the plan. And move toward the fulfilled goal. Don't become entangled with what you cannot change. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.4, No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him, to be a soldier. The Greek for the word entangle means getting your feet caught up in something. And our journey is to focus upon God's plan and keep our eyes on Him. I'm just a vessel of sacrifice. I am just a servant. I just want to do your will and not my will be done. I want to thank you, God, if you bless me with all the things that I have. I want to thank you for advancement on the job. I want to thank you for the raise. I want to thank you for my car. I want to thank you for my family. I want to thank you for my house. I want to thank you for my church. But I want you to know this one thing. The thing that I'm most glad about is my heart is sold out 100 percent to you. The benefits of what I have done, God, all goes back to you. Can somebody say amen? I'm not holding on. I'm opening up by the grace of God. Our eyes represent the window of our heart. And there's nothing wrong with looking toward where Jesus had ascended, but it was the wrong place. They looked out of the spirit of curiosity Jesus had given them their instruction, and he said, Now, I want you to get busy. I want you to make it happen. You can't be settlers on the sidelines of the very game that God created for you in this life. To be doers of the Word and not just hearers. And most things that you and I do in life can be done if we're looking at the right goal. Matthew eleven twenty eight says in the message version, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to make a real or how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Praise the Lord. That's the benefit of the spiritual will to succeed. Finally, anticipate blessing. How many of you like cake? May I see your hand? How many like fresh cake? That's good. Fresh cake. Wonderful cake. Sharon made a coconut cake the other day for our youngest, most beautiful daughter, Lori. It's her birthday. She called her mom and said, Mom, I want you to make me a coconut cake. Sharon, I've asked Sharon for a long time. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. If I asked her tonight, a cake would show up by 7 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I want mom a coconut cake. Sharon said a couple days before the birthday, on this afternoon, I'm going to be busy. What are you going to be doing? I'm making Lori's cake all afternoon. A special cake. Hello? 
She had to get the cake stuff, had to get the cake pans. And then she took the layers and split them. And then she made this icing with coconut so light it was unbelievable. And she laid that first layer down and then smeared a big old thick dose of that stuff. If you don't like icing, don't listen. The icing smeared it there and then put that other one down, smeared another layer and put the other one down, smeared another layer, put another one down, smeared another layer, put it down and then took the top and just all around that icing I said, please leave the bowl. <laughs> and don't be so clean when you clean that bowl. Because I have a friend of mine who's a good bowl cleaner. So she put that cake, it's one of those, you put it in the fridge and just let her set for two or three days. That way all that stuff gets down in that cake. We had a little piece. Lori, it's your cake. Mom, we're not going to eat that much cake. Oh, no. So she gave the cake away. But there's one layer she kept behind. Hallelujah. She had it in the fridge and had it loaded up. She said, I did this just for you. I broke out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Anticipate the blessing. When she said she's going to make that cake and it was going to be in the fridge, do you know how many times I was tempted to lift the lid, as I often do, and just take a swipe? And I hear when I do it, she knows when I do it. No matter what, I'm anticipating. Are you anticipating the coming of the Lord? Are you anticipating a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you anticipating a healing that you need in your life? Are you anticipating somebody you know that you've been, that they're going to get saved? Are you anticipating God doing phenomenal things? Here it is. The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. Those angels, those angels said that and they, they declared a great big truth. Jesus, whom you have witnessed ascend to the Father, will come again in that same way. In other words, he's going to return stronger and more powerful than ever. And that is the blessing for all of us. What was that? That was the promise of God that's still real today. He is coming back, friend. Amen. I said, he is coming back. You might be tired, but he is coming back. Amen. He is going to settle the score. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And it isn't going to be the Roman Empire. He's going to take the devil by the nap of his neck and shake him like a rag doll and throw him in the pit once and forever, never to come back again. That's what he's going to do. We can count. He will bring with it a reward of our faithfulness. So you being in church tonight, if you don't think he's made a record of it, you'd be sadly wrong, especially if it was hard to come 
come. And he's going to bring what we cannot see in our face and focus right now. He's going to reward you with it before you go to heaven. And then the blessing of the Lord. Amen. You know what one of the great blessings is when you're a parent and you're a grandparent is knowing that your kids and your grandkids love Jesus with all of their heart. Amen. Don't have to be perfect, but they're not out messing around, smoking drugs, everything else. Say, hallelujah, my grandkids are right with God. Money cannot buy that kind of stuff, friend. That's blessing. That's blessing that comes from the Lord. Deuteronomy 30, verse 9, the Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your father's. Psalms 132.15, he says, I'm going to give you abundance. I'll bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor will I satisfy with food. Significant experience will come in the will of God. The seed in Zechariah, the seed will grow well. The vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dew. All needs will be met, and my God will meet all your needs according to the wealth of Donald Trump. God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Are you excited about that? Are you living for a heavenly kingdom? Are you anticipating the blessing? Come on and stand to your feet if you don't mind and take a look at a little bit of Amos here. Amos says in Amos 9, 13, and listen, we don't have to wait until we're in heaven. Notice what he says. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the hills of another. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessing like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people, Israel. Hey, are you going to come back? Are you going to build the kingdom of Israel now? He said, no, not right now. I want you to help me build a heavenly kingdom on earth. Because when I come back again, when I come back again, I'm telling you, in our culture today, sin is abounding. Everywhere you look, and you focus on that all you want to. But he says, where sin abounds, grace doth abound that much more. I want to be a grace person. Amen. I want to say, God, I'm so excited. Who knows what might happen tomorrow? We're going to believe it. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our precious Savior, our Redeemer, everything that we desire comes in and through Him. So would you do something now that we cannot do? Would you overflow into us a great expectancy and a supernatural will to succeed? God, we don't want to stand here gazing up into the sky as you have left. We want God to hear your word and say, don't just hear it. Get out there and do it. 
So God, I pray that in your name that you'll speak to all of our hearts. Let us get one step closer. Let us dare. Let us look at where we have missed and there's a gap. Let us in Jesus' name say, God, no more. I'm going to not have a gap. I'm going to have full steam ahead. I've got some kids and grandkids, maybe you do, that really need Jesus. I'm going to show it to them. I've got some people I work with that really need Jesus. I'm going to show it to them. I'm not going to browbeat them. I'm just going to live not a life that I feel like I'm burdened or worn out, tired and thrown away. I'm going to be victorious in the name of Jesus. And again, I pray that you would bring healing to those in this room tonight that need healing and need a special touch. And we claim that for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, look this way. We're going to sing. If you need prayer, if you need a touch of God, if you need a spiritual endowment of God's refreshing anointing, you just simply come down here. Would you do that? And we'll pray. We're going to anoint you with oil. I said it Sunday night. We don't just pray. We're going to anoint. The Bible says, anoint them with oil. Everybody get it? Anoint with oil by the grace of God. We want to do it right. Here we go. Waiting on you. You come as God directs. Because you're the name above all names. So he's worthy. You are worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, let's worship together, shall we? Hallelujah. You're the name above all I just, uh, the Lord brought Eddie Hawks to my mind. Uh, Eddie uh, went to Dr. Gill's office, St. Luke's, and uh, he's been having trouble in his uh, music of seeing it, and it's gotten progressively worse. And so he went the other day, and they said that his, his optical nerve was so thin that they could not do surgery and that they would not touch his eyes. They gave him some eye drops and they said, maybe this will at least just sustain your sight, you know, for now. So not a great report. He has to go to his music and write in big letters to know that he's got the beat and all of that. But you know what? Eddie's been faithful around here for a whole lot of years. I wonder if we could just pray that God would miraculously touch his eyes. Can we do that now, Father? In your name, 
in the precious name of Jesus. We claim the promise of healing on Eddie Hawks and Sharon. We pray that you would touch them both, God, that some way or another your mighty hand would, would just go down and touch his eyes and heal them and anoint in a special way. We pray for Glenda Jasso and the two fractures that she has, God. I pray that you would touch her and bring healing to her and anoint her husband, Joe, and just strengthen them by the power of God for Mike Williams facing potential cancer. God, we're trusting you. We pray, God, in your name for the awesome presence of a God that we know, love, and serve. And then when we come back here, God, on Sunday morning, let the outpouring of the Holy Spirit be so real, God, that the feathers of, of apathy would fall off and a fresh, vibrant anointing of the Holy Spirit would be real in our worship, on our worship singers, on every part, God. We are looking toward that. And again, for Circle J, God, prepare the hearts of those young people right now and do what we can't do and we'll give you praise and honor and glory and everybody said amen you love jesus don't forget Teresa's out there if you want to sign up to help circle j whatever be friendly with somebody even those that you don't like okay Great is our God. 